I'm not trying to outwork anyone. I'm trying to outwork my own insecurities. The parts of me that, that want more, but, but still don't believe, still doubt. I have to outwork that every single day. I don't have time to be comparing myself to anybody else. With words where uh, we want to shout out to our sponsors, healing is a lifestyle. Okay, digging in where the whole goal, the whole purpose of this podcast is for, I'm going to just be honest, for me to go through my own personal healing journey, but also hopefully invite other men on the journey so we can all go through this journey of healing spiritually, physically, mentally, and financially. I will talk about some business stuff. I've been able to build seven-figure businesses uh, for other people and and, uh, for myself, so we'll dig into that as well, Um, but that's the goal to have us healed so we can start rebuilding our own families, um, healing our families, and ultimately setting our legacy in place. Okay, so so listen. Let me first by saying that I w- I want to say before I get into the to the story, I want to first by saying shout out to y'all. Okay, first episode is out. You know, showing showing some love out here, showing some love. Okay, shout out to to you all. I want to give. There was a couple people that just dropped some some comments. Okay, so first of all, shout out to Tiffany Haynes. Okay, that's my that's my dog right there. Shout out to you for going ahead and drop dropping some some comments. Shout out to to Wifey for dropping some comments. Drop you know, I I was thinking about Charlamagne. Drop one for the clues bond for. <laughs> For wifey, shout out to, to, to wifey. Shout out to uh, Jessica Rose. Jessica Rose, shout out to you. Appreciate you for for commenting uh, on the the podcast. Okay, and there were some other comments too, but I, I just, those are right away comments that came through as I saw. Uh, I will continue to shout out people as you all are commenting. And look, hey, we're on this journey together. We're on we're on this journey together, y'all. This healing journey. Oh, um, Mark Smith. Shout out to you. That was the last name I had. Mark Smith, shout out to you. Appreciate you, um, bro. Let's go. Invite some more people to the podcast. If there was a clip that you saw, if there was an episode you... Uh, well, we only had one episode. But if there was an episode that you enjoyed, then go ahead. So I want to dig into... And y'all see, I'm 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 heavy in the topics already. You know, like the the last episode we was talking about my son and all those things. But this episode, I want to get into another moment that was crucial that I was able to just define why this happened. Uh, as I, you know, I did I did individual therapy uh, that we'll talk about. I think we'll talk about that maybe in episode four or five. As far as you know, doing physical therapy, that was a, I mean not physical therapy, but um, therapy period, right? And so many epiphanies come out of that. But here was a crucial one. So my wife and I, before we were married, uh, I want to say that I got out of, I was in a relationship coming to college, right? And I, I didn't handle that relationship correctly. Uh, there, There's definitely some um, people and women in my life that I've hurt uh, I have I have since then I've literally reached out to everyone that that and, and let me not put it like it's just been a whole bunch but I have reached out to to these women and I've apologized I've asked for forgiveness this is all part of my healing journey um, and it started a little bit ago and when I was with my some of them even happened while I was married and I you know got permission from my wife and you all know I may mean? say so, oh he asked for permission it's like. I want to make sure that some insecurities or something doesn't rise up in her and make sure she's not feeling like, well, why do you feel the need to go and ask for their forgiveness? What is happening there? So I wanted to make sure she was good before I move forward with with um, with talking to these young ladies and really telling them like where I was and how immature my behavior was and how much I apologize for for my behavior, um, for breaking their trust. And uh, it was crucial. So I'm bringing all that up to say the backstory of we got together as the unversion, the unhealed version of me is who she met. And praise God that we were able to continue to go through that. But 
when we got together, I was, I felt angry. So look, I got, I graduated high school in 2002. I went to Iowa State University. And although my pops was one where he was like, you got to tell me exactly what you're going for. So my pops was one that it was just no nonsense. Like um, every, the grind, the grit that I have and all that today, the persistent, being persistent, all that's because of him. Like, I love it. I love, there are things a part of me, there are things that are a part of me that I absolutely love. And I, I can get, I can look back and be like, of course, God, but I can look back and say, this is something that my father instilled into me. This is absolutely something because he is the same way. I didn't see my father work jobs and all of these things. When, when it was time to go get it, he went out and got it. Whether he was, my man was selling socks, sunglasses, purses, and all this. If y'all were back in Chicago, if y'all remember Jewtown, all right, shout out. We were there selling purses, all of those things. We even had a route that we would go to every Saturday and sell purses. Like he got it. So this entrepreneur drive and spirit that's in me, it, it was planted in me. It was part of my program. However, I will say, I think the part that I liked was the, the nurture part. I didn't have my mother around. So they were never married. And um, I, I remember being sent to go live with my father. And this is this was all new. For, so being stripped from my mother to the point where literally there was police officers. We had been left in the house. My brother and I, we had been left in the house a, a couple days. I don't know how many days. And um, I just remember my, this was Mountain Town where my mother was caught up in drugs and things like that. And I always have to say that we're, we're good now. We're building now. She, she definitely likes when I let people know that it's not still the same. But at that moment, we were taken away. And I went to live with my, my grandmother, which was my mother's mother at the time. And she felt that the best decision for me was to, to live with my father. Rightfully so. It was, a, it was a great decision for my life. Without that decision being made, I do not know what I, I can see how my life would have turned out. If you look at my brothers and things like that, um, we'll get into that. But I see how what could have been my life. And so the fact that this happened, I just remember saying, as a, even as a young kid, I remember longing for my mother. I remember feeling like, like, why, why doesn't she want me? I remember feeling like, you know, and there were certain things that would always give me when they would have mother son dances and all of these things. I just remember like missing out, feeling like I'm always missing out on something. And, and I always felt like, man, if, if the one woman and I just, develop these feelings. I wouldn't say I had these at seven, eight years old because that's when I moved with my father. I always felt like the one woman that's supposed to love you no matter what, like didn't love me. I'm not saying she doesn't. I just said I felt that way. So I felt the rejection of that. I felt rejection from that. So now you have a, a young man that that is growing up without his mother, without the nurturing part of it. So I don't I don't necessarily have the programming to to just love unconditionally. This not, you know, it's not, it's, it's just not there, right? That that those program that programming is not there. But then you have a father, my father, who has unhealed trauma. You know, he's not he he's not talking to his father. He doesn't even have a high school education. Right. So there he's still hurting. He's still in pain. And so what I'm needing of him at that time, he can't give because he doesn't have that program. But what he does have, the programming he does have is do not give up. You keep going. My father used to always tell me, son, you're a millionaire. You're a millionaire. You're a leader. I, I tell the same thing to my kids now. My daughter would tell you, if I brought her in here, I would say, what are you? She said, a leader. What's the difference between a leader and a follower? Leader thinks for themselves. Exactly. So when it gets hard, when it gets hard, what? If it gets hard, what? I still can do it. Okay, cool. If, if you try and you give your best, then what's? That's great enough. She, like, 
we we talk about these things, even to the point where I don't discipline my daughter. I don't discipline my daughter in front of people that don't live in our home. Because she's a leader, I always want her to have that same stature as a leader wherever she go. I don't want people to have something on her. Like, this is why your dad, look, I don't want to like punk her or 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 embarrass her in front of her her friends or anything like that. Anything that could taint them seeing her as a strong leader, I don't want to do that. So I hit her on the side. Like so when they come over, when our friends come over and and things like that, when our friends come over and there's something that's happening that I don't want to see happen, I say, hey, baby girl, come here real quick. And I'll say it like that. I won't say it in anger because I don't want to give notice. Hey, so look, I noticed that um, you all, uh, you know, y'all jumping on couches, y'all doing then this stuff. You know, that's that's not that's not something we do, baby. So as a leader, one, I expect you to be the example and know that's not what we do. But two, I expect you to get your friends on board and let them know. If a friend does something, I'm not going to talk to the friend. I'm going to talk to my daughter. Hey, baby girl, I need you to. Hey, y'all left that room completely. I'm not coming to everybody. And be like, Hey, y'all left the room dirty. I need y'all to clean that room. Hey, baby girl, make sure everybody get the room and stuff clean before you leave. All right. And now she's going to be on. She's going to be on that. She's she's going to now be on top of it. Right. I'm, I'm teaching her this right now. Okay. This Siri. So these are things that was instilled to me. I'm going to instill the same things into to my daughter. Now, my father didn't go to this extent, but I'm taking it a step further. I'm like, this is how I want to respond to my daughter. This is how I want her to move. This is how I want, I want her to think, to problem solve, to be aware. All right. So that was there. The programming that was in him is what I got. We ain't necessarily do the the nurturing things. So there were times in my childhood where I felt like a burden. I'm like, you would question because he was so hard on me. I would question like, man, do you want me here? Why? Why have me here if if you just going to treat me like this? You know, you know, even getting whoopings and things like that. I'm like, my goodness. So there was a fear. There was a huge fear, fear there. Like I, like I'm telling you, all, there was some great things instilled into me. I, mean, I don't take anything away from my pops' baseball games. He was coach. He was coaching on the team. He was at the practices. All of those things, right? But there was a part of me that felt rejected. That that desired some type of validation. Some type of I'm proud of you. Some type of man, good job, son. And um. And in the early years, that didn't that didn't come. So now I look at, well, a mother rejection, father rejection. And these are the two prominent, you know, people in your life when you're younger. And I'm just like, I then am now vulnerable to whoever's willing to validate me first. So I give this backstory of that. I tell, I just put this disclaimer out here to say that when I got with my, um, with my wife, I remember it just, she was completely different. Um, I wasn't ready for this type of relationship. I remember when we first started um, talking. Okay. I'll have to tell you all the story of how we met. I'll, t- I'll tell that story. Uh, let me tell it real quick. Okay. Well, first of all, your boy saw her on campus. I was hosting this show and I saw her on campus and she was singing. And I literally tapped my guy, uh, James Berry. And I was like, hey, bro, that, that's my wife. Now, me, I may have been joking, but there was some, you know, there was some ser- seriousness to it. OK. All right. I was like, that's my wife right there. Like, my goodness. Singing. She's pretty. All of these things. And I'm just like, let's go. And I didn't see her again right away, but I was asking people like, who is this girl? What's her name? Who she's been with? All that stuff. Because the rule with men is like, if I'm about to wife her up, okay, I don't mind that you've been with other men and all of that stuff. But 
I just don't want you to actually have been with someone that is in my circle. Okay. I just, all right. Just, just, just understand. I just don't want you to have been with somebody that I still shake their hand. I call them friends. Like, I don't want to do that. It could be an ego thing, but look, so I see her and I see her again about a month later on campus. And she speaks to the girl that I'm walking with, just a friend. And I um, I said, well, that's all you see? And she was like, well, hey. I'm like, this girl is, she just don't know. She must not know who I am. You must not know about me. No. But I'm wondering, like, why is she not trying to talk to her brother? So um, as we keep going, I'm trying to talk to her. And it's, it's just, it's not being reciprocated. I'm just like, man. So finally, that was during the summer. The fall comes. The fall comes. And let me tell you all what was exciting about this. It's because, it's because she wasn't initially receptive. To me, it just felt like she had a certain standard. Like I, I couldn't just say the normal one-two line or whatever and just have you. And it just made me feel like, oh, this is, this is a woman that that has a little more belief in herself. She her self-esteem is is bigger. And to me, that's that's attractive. Woo! I, I know some men like, oh, no self-esteem. That that's who you target, things like that. Nah, nah. Me, I'm like, high self-esteem, high self-worth. You out here trying to get it, working, you know, grinding, things like that. That's eternal. That, woo! My goodness. And so that's what I saw. And I was like, look, I don't look, we we about to go together. We about to get married. We about to have babies. She just don't know this yet, but it's about to happen. You better stop playing with me, girl. You better stop playing. So what happens is that fall, I see her. I see her um, in a classroom, eight o'clock classroom. And she came in there late. This is this is still a this is still a uh a reoccurring thing right now. Okay. This is reoccurring this lateness. Okay. I just want to point that out, but she came in late and I was like, I, you know, that rise up when you just in the classroom, you sitting back and you're like, Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This class just got good. Okay. And after class, I see her talking to the teacher. She's like, um, she's about to talk to the teacher. I come up to her. I'll like, say, yo, what's going on? And she looks almost like a this dude again. Like, what is this? <sighs> so I said, yo, what you about to talk to the teacher about? She's like, I'm dropping this class. It's too early, 8 o'clock. She's a senior. Y'all got to remind. Keep in mind, I was 19. She was 22 at the time. So and uh, we're looking at this. And, um, and she's like, I'm about to drop the class. I said, look, if you give me your number. You don't have to drop the class. You give me your number. I will call and wake you up for the class. Give me your number, though. You got. I got to I gotta have a number to call and wake you up on. I got to have a number to call and wake you up on. You got to give me your number. I ain't said it that many times, but I'm pointing out. I'm saying it for you all because just to see so y'all can see how smooth your boy was. OK, so so she looks at me. Give a smirk. Okay, the smirk, I don't care if you thought it was corny or whatever. The smirk was good enough to go ahead and get the number. Okay, got the number. I never called to wake her up for the class. We never even went back to that class except when it was on test days. And then uh, we started dating. So we started doing study tables and all of that stuff. But the thing about it is I remember there was a date that we were going on. And the date that we were going on. She invited me to, to the house. She was like, yo, just come over and hang out. And she has a roommate. So I'm like, okay, let me bring one of my guys. And I'm thinking it's, it's just a hangout. We're just about to kick it. And this was like our second or third date. And she, I came in there. She had candles. And my guy's right behind me. Uh, my guy, Dijon. Okay, Dijon Williams. Like, he was like, hey, bro, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. I said, I don't think you're supposed to be here either. Like, uh, gone, bro. <laughs> so we had a candlelight dinner. 
I was like, she cooked and all of this stuff. And I was like, what the heck is this? I never experienced this before. It was it was validating. You see, that validation was there. The, the nurturing was there. I remember she came over to my house and she looked at my, this is, you know, maybe we're a couple of months in at that point. She looked at my, my underwear drawer and saw holes in my drawers and replaced them with new drawers. And I'm like, what in the world? And I was telling my pops about this. And my pops was actually like, hey, you better marry that girl. After eight months, I, I proposed. I was like, yeah, this, this right here. And doing the proposal... All right. Now, this is where we get into why I told you all this during the proposal. Everything is great. But you know how you start to get comfortable with people, your trauma. Like, I feel like in relationships, our triggers and traumas, we're just trying to navigate those things that trigger us and trauma, you know, that trigger the trauma that we had um, as as kids. And we're constantly trying to navigate those things. So it got to a point where. I stopped feeling validated. I stopped feeling loved. I stopped feeling nurtured. And and I can't say that she stopped doing those things. I can't say that she stopped doing what she was doing. I don't remember. But I just remember that I no longer felt like I was worthy, like I was worth a fight. I, I no longer felt like um, she was into me and I even told her this, um, this is later years. It's like, I felt like with my father, you know how you feel like you with people, you're with someone that's supposed to love you, but you still feel lonely. You, you're, you could be in a crowd room full of people and still feel lonely. That was the feeling I had. And I just remember I was working at Fazoli's and a young lady there complimented me and and she validated me on my looks and all of this stuff. And immediately I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. The feeling came back. And so I entertained the conversation. We were this was right when Facebook just started. And my fiance saw the messages. And I'm, I'm telling you, look, y'all, let me tell you something. She actually screenshotted the messages and put them on Facebook as a note and tagged all of our friends and the pastor of the church that we were going to at the time to this note. I I probably was viral before viral became viral. I'm talking about my guy called me that he told me he was like, yo, I was at work today and. Some of the guys at work was looking at their computer and it was like, look, this guy just got caught cheating. And he told him, this is my guy, Steve, that called me, Steve uh, Brian. He calls me and he was like, and bro, I looked and it was you. He was like, what you out here doing? Bro, I was like, oh my God, it's just, (laughs) it's real out here. And I look at that and this is not to discredit um, the other young lady or anything like that, but I look at that. Today, uh, as this healing version, and you know, that's that's gained leaps and bounds. And I look like, why was it so easy to to separate myself from my fiance? Why was it so easy to put her in this position to be embarrassed? Why was it so easy for her to uh, to no longer be secure in her relationship? Why was it so easy? And um, I look at that and it's all about acceptance, feeling accepted, feeling validated, feeling loved. And I didn't I didn't feel that. Um, And and that's why. And I went towards where it was coming from. So wherever it was coming from, that's where I was going. And so that's why it was like, okay, you go to this woman and you you're going to you're going to try to feel something they're going to give you this in the beginning but when that feeling goes away it's like okay where's the next fix love became or this feeling of validation became like a drug and you you want to to get the drug right you want it and there's a lot of people that got hurt in the situation where she got hurt 
uh, the young lady got hurt in this situation and my, my fiance at the time got hurt in this situation. And, uh, and you know, everybody, uh, I just, everybody got hurt. What was crucial though, is doing the healing process. We did 16 weeks, weeks of marriage counseling or premarital counseling with that same pastor. She even called the pastor. I had to talk to him and all of this stuff. And I was, it was just like, oh my God, this is, this is rough. One of the things that he had me do that was crucial was, um, this was like, we were about week 14 or 15. And, and he said, I need you to go to, excuse me. I need you to go to your, your wife's father. And I need you to tell him how you've wronged his daughter. Not only how you've wronged her and betrayed her trust, but how you've portrayed him in fornicating with, with his daughter. Um, how you've portrayed when you, when you first asked him to marry his daughter, you need to apologize because you told him some, some specific things that you were going to do for his daughter. And those things did not happen. How this man gave you permission to marry his daughter with the guys under the guise that you were going to be the man that you told him you were going to be and you're not. And y'all, I'm telling you right now, one of the hardest moments of my life. Because here it is where the first time, for real first time, I'm being made to be accountable for my own personal behavior. But you got to think, even though men will stray away from this um, sometimes we'll stray away from from this of like, like, hey, I'm not I'm not a victim, but sometimes we are, and I'm, that's not to take away. Sometimes things did happen to you where you were the victim. Sometimes things happen, you know, things happened to me where I was the victim, and for that I felt like it was okay for me to do certain behavior because somebody had hurt me. I had been hurt, so I felt like it was okay. This is why I, I truly understand the feeling of the, the saying of hurt people hurt people. It's not necessarily on purpose, but it's just like you're hurting. And because of that, it numbs you to what you're doing to other people. You don't even see it. And you get caught in this. You're the victim because somebody hurt you. You're like, yo, you made it okay. And this time it was like, no, this is going to stop if you want to marry her now, you can marry her without me, but you asked me to be a part of your this was Pastor Turan that asked me to do it in Ames, Iowa. Did you know if you want me to 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 finish this premarital counseling, if you want me to be a part of this uh, this process, this is what has to be done. And I did it, y'all. I did it. And I'm not going to lie. Uh, he was like, yo, uh, you know, I appreciate you. I respect you for, for doing this. Uh, this meant a lot to me. And I think doing that opened up our relationship to the point where he treated me like a son. He treated me like a son. We went bowling together. He get, I still have the ball. I mean, he passed away a couple of years ago. But I still had the ball he gave me. I mean, he whooped me so bad with the ball. Then he was like, I don't even want this ball no more. Maybe he'll give you some luck. You know, you can whoop some people with it. He gave me the bowling ball and all of those things. But I think uh, our relationship wouldn't have been like it is, like it was, without that. And he forgave me. And I think that right there put me on a new path to, like, I had to go to this man and ask for forgiveness. And then from there, I was like, I need to go to these women and ask for forgiveness. So I literally asked my wife, I was like, I would, it wasn't to sleep with other people or anything like that, but I asked her at the time, uh, cause I was trying to, she had broke up with me and all these things and I was trying to get, get back with her. And, um, so we look at this. So with me trying to to now uh, get back with her, I'm now trying to um, to rebuild with her. She's she's going through this process. We we finished the marital counseling. 
but she's still not fully convinced. Like, and rightfully so. She's hurt. She's like, I don't know what this is going to look like. Trust is broken. And I was just like, give me the opportunity to, to earn that. Let me earn that trust. And so I started doing something where I would literally hit her up every day at noon. She would not answer the phone. And I would just leave a voice message, just telling her about about my day, how I hope her day is and all of that stuff. And then finally, um, one of them, she answered and I was like, yeah, can we, you know, let's go out on a date. And she was like, cool, let's do it Friday. And I'm thinking I'm going there for a date and we're actually going to church. Uh, Pastor Rand had these Friday night services he were doing. And that just really helped to heal me. Like it re-engaged me back with my relationship with, my, with God. Right. My father and my grandmother had always you know, taken me to church. I, I was raised in the church and I just fallen so far away from that because I told him when I graduated and left home, I didn't necessarily go. I didn't leave home for college. I know I went to college, but I left home because I was angry and I was hurt and I just wanted to get away. I just I just needed to be away from people, you know, specifically certain people or my family. I just needed to get away. I just needed it. And so I I had put down some of the things that I, I had learned. Right. And so this re-engaged me going there every single Friday. And now I was like, you know what? I know what I need to do. So I said to her, uh, this was 2008. I said, I I, this is a bit. This is a big ask. I said, man, if you can give me uh, this is, I don't know, February, March, two thousand eight. I'm like, man, if you can give me to to the end of this year, I promise I will be fully ready. I will fully devote. I'm like, and she was like, I'm not waiting. Like, if some someone comes along or whatever, then you know, I'm I'm gonna entertain the opportunity. But she was also like, but I'm not, I'm not looking, nor am I, I just, she's taking this time out for healing for herself. And I was just like, that's the risk I got to take. Because I knew that if we just went right back into what was familiar, then I would ruin this. But I also had, um, I don't want to, so today, today I'm like, man, I don't want to say anything disrespectful, but let me just say what you know, what I called it back then. I said, I have loose ends I need to tie up. Whereas it wasn't like, oh, let me get one more chance to, to have sex with people and all of these things. And But I I literally did uh, what I would call a, a tour <laughs> uh, on, let me point out, wasn't a long tour, wasn't a big tour. Okay. Don't just keep your head here. I did a tour of where I literally went to talk to certain females and I told them what I was going to do. I said, you know, I want to be with this woman. And so what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking us to not um, text each other. I'm asking us to not do certain things anymore. And y'all. Uh, again, because this is healing with words. I want to be transparent. There was one young lady. And I think I told my wife. I hope I told her this because this coming out on the podcast would suck. Okay. But there was one young lady that actually came to the door naked. And I'm just like, why? But I I told her prior to what, what I wanted to have a conversation about. I did not enter the, the, the house. I literally, <laughs> yeah, I literally had the conversation while she was standing in the doorway naked. And I just told her exactly what I was doing. Uh, she asked me why and all this stuff. And I was just like, I love her. Um, and she is who I want to be with. And I want to pursue marriage. I want to pursue this this life with her. And. She closed the door and I left. During that time, I had these conversations with a few people. And for the first time, I was able to fully, by the end of that year, I was able to fully 
engaged with um, my, my, my wife now. Uh, and with well, my fiance at the time, I was able to fully engage without folks, without looking at my phone and wondering like, oh my God, who's, who's going to text? Who's going to call? And there is so much freedom in that. There's so much freedom in being honest. There's so much freedom in that healing. There's so much freedom in being able to just devote yourself and commit. You know, as men, I feel like it's important that, yeah, we instill these certain things in our kids, but we have to exhibit the behaviors. Um, Commitment is not just to this marriage, but commitment in anything that I do, I need to be able to commit to it because that's that's what I want to instill in my kids. So it was so rewarding to be able to now do that. Right. So uh, we then we're you know, we're back. I, I, I hit her up. And we started going out on dates again. And it was dope. And I said, listen to this, y'all. This is literally how we got married. I said, yo, I don't want to play any games. I want to go right to 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 planning the wedding. And she was like, I'm not planning a wedding with you. She's literally going to her friends and says, because I said, well, I'm going to plan the wedding. And she says uh, to her friends, She's like, yeah, this boy is planning a wedding right now. We're not together. We're just dating as friends. You know, we're building something right now and he's planning a wedding. And sure enough, I told her I was planning our wedding and I'm, I'm going to need you to be there. I actually need you to be there. And as we're planning, a couple months go down the line and now she's like, I'm asking, so what do you think about this? And she's like, I think this. And I'm like, okay, she, she's on board with this thing. All right. So just to to further eliminate any delay, I also I'm like, we got married at the courthouse and then we flew to Puerto Rico and did a destination, you know, wedding. And what was dope is her father is actually the one that married us. So it was like this was just beautiful. It was crazy. Loved it. All that stuff. And y'all. I planned out my entire wedding. <laughs> I, you know, she had took taken over for a while. And she was like, I'm, this is too much. I'm done. So I'm like, okay, now nah, we ain't about to, hey, no more barriers. No more barriers. Let's, let's go ahead and do this. So I took over, talked to the people, got everything arranged, all of those things. We got married in Puerto Rico. And then after our families and stuff left, we spent the next 10 days there for our honeymoon. And it was great. It was phenomenal. And since then, I've been uh, a devoted husband, haven't cheated or anything like that. Now, I will say, here's the thing that's key, is I don't want you to think, and I don't want to give a false expectation of, oh, I, my eyes, my head don't doesn't turn. I don't struggle. I don't... I Listen, there's a lot of beautiful women in the world. There's a lot, okay? Being married is a constant journey, is a continuous journey, okay? It is a, you constantly remind myself of what I have at home. And I'm going to tell you all the epiphanies that I got from, from what I just told you as far as, you know, allowing somebody else to come in our relationship. And I'm going to tell you what I do now to protect myself, Okay? But I don't want to just think you all like because I've even had to have conversations with my wife and and be like, hey, babe, you know, I'm I'm feeling some type of way. And it's not necessarily for her to cure the feeling because some feelings that I have, she can't cure. This is a me thing. But I, I want you to know that I am struggling here. I'm thinking about past. I'm thinking about these things. And you know what I'm saying? Like. I'm now, you know, fully engaged in a uh, different behavior. And there have been conversations that that may have been flirtatious and all that. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That was too far. So and that was in the beginning of our marriage. I had to be, identify. Wait a minute. This this is going back into 
what I used to do. And, and I remember how I would entertain these conversations and then allow them to go, go wherever they go. But now understanding um, boundaries, which let's get into the epiphanies that I got. The first epiphany is that I didn't have any boundaries set. Um, you know, one, I didn't, I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't know I needed to set boundaries because I didn't, I wasn't aware that, that I had this feeling of rejection. I didn't, I wasn't aware that this was something that, that was traumatizing to me. I'm just navigating life and I'm just going, looking for the next hit, the next hit, the next hit. And now today, as I look back, I'm like, well, there was, there were no boundaries. So let me show you something I do. All right. We're just going to put these two together. I'm going to give you the epiphany and then I'm going to tell you what I implemented. So something I do for boundaries now is, and you all may hear me do it. Whenever I talk to a young lady, right, whether it's about business, whether it's anything, right, whether they're interested in me or not, they may think I'm the ugliest man in the world. Cool, whatever. Immediately how I set boundaries is I start to talk about my family and my wife. I immediately create a disconnect sexually or intimately or physically or whatever, my goal is to create the disconnect and keep it to what it is, right? I remember in the past where, and girls, girls, women use this. If you are, be aware, like women use this to create a disconnect. So you may, they may know you have a a female uh, fiance or married or something like that. And so they may say something like, whereas you're trying to keep it on the hush because you don't want to think about your wife or whatever. You don't want to think about that. So you're talking to them and they'll say something like, well, what about your wife? And you, your response or my response was like, oh, why are you, why are you, okay, why are you on that? Or they say, what about your girl? What about your boo? All right. That is setting a boundary, creating a disconnect because they're going to, they're going to bring you back to the realization that you have somebody. So I do that for me, for myself. I bring myself immediately, bring myself back to the realization. It's a boundary that I have to set. There's, I'm not going to send a text after a certain time to certain people. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to find myself on the phone um, with a female after a certain time. It's just, it's, just, it's just not going to happen. That's a boundary that I must set because I realize that there are vulnerable times. Here's another boundary that we set. All right. This is okay. Cause we're on a podcast. Let me go ahead and get transparent. When I go out of town, my wife, I always tell her, babe, we got to have sex a couple times before I go out of town. Got to empty me out here. We got to empty out here. Empty out the clip. Okay. All right. Let me just put it out. We got to empty out the clip. Okay. I don't want any type of, cause when you haven't, When your sex drive is on full throttle and you haven't had anything and then you go out of town by yourself, this is especially to my married men, engaged men or men in a committed relationship, you go out of town and you haven't um, or engaged in in a committed relationship, you know, maybe y'all are, you know, abstaining for being absent in any way. Okay, cool. But when you go out of town, you have to be emptied out, <laughs> all right? And I'm not saying that you're, you're going to have sex. If you're not, there's a possibility. If, if you're vulnerable, if you're already feeling that vulnerability, all of those things, there's a possibility. But I am saying certain conversations may be way more entertaining to you. Certain things that you, your head may, may be looking a bit more, or you may find yourself in places that you shouldn't be in because of this vulnerability because you're you're aroused and it hasn't been cured she know before i leave and immediately when i come back and this is something that we talked about so i don't want y'all to think like this was a forced rule but i explained to her why this was necessary because when i leave out of town for business i want it to be about business and now that's not to take away from the fact that i still have to show self-restraint all right. I don't I don't want to now put this on her like this is her responsibility. But I, what I am saying is a part of me, part of helping me, my help me is this is what I need before I go out of town. 
I'm still going to exhibit self-restraint and all of those things, but, but, but this will be very helpful so I can make sure I'm in full self-restraint mode. All right. This is going to be very helpful. So that's another boundary that we uh, set us talking every night while I'm out of town, going to bed. So, you know, we, we, you know, I'm at night, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, and I'm going to bed, you know, so these are clear boundaries that I had to start setting because otherwise when they're not set, you know, you're left unsecure. This is real. You're left unsecure. And that's not something I wanted. Okay. So that was the first epiphany that I had. I didn't have any type of boundary set in place and, uh, and, and it hurt me. It hurt, it hurt me. And, um, the next one is validation. I, I used this story before uh, the movie Penelope and I'm, I'm paraphrasing the whole story or whatever, but I remember in the movie Penelope where this young lady spent the whole entire movie. There was a witch that put a spell on the whole family and, and gave the, the daughter a pick snout until a certain birthday. And if she didn't find love in a certain time, she was going to live out her days like this. So the family spent the entire movie trying to find her love. They kept getting men and paying them and trying to pay them and all of these things. But in the end, the, the, the men would look at her and see the snout and were like, oh, my gosh, she's hideous. And, and they would just run away. And finally, the time is running out. And this is huge. y'all. I want you all to see this. The time is now running out for her. And it's down to the last few minutes. And her mother was like, no, we can still try. What about this guy? What about this guy? And she was like, mom, just forget it. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to love myself. I'm just going to choose to love me the way I am. Curse was broken. The spell was broken. That was huge for me because I realized the epiphany was that, oh, the reason why it never filled me up was because I was seeking external validation from these women and the validation needed to come from me. I needed to set my own program. And this this even showed up in my marriage, whereas there were times when if if she's working or I'm working and we don't see each other. So y'all know my my love language is words of affirmation and uh, physical touch. And then the third one is uh, quality time. So those are my top three. So if you're working, I'm working, we don't see each other, I'm not getting any validation, not getting any physical touch, and I'm not getting quality time. So at that point, uh, I would come to her and be like, man, you don't even, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's other women out here that would be, and this is, these again, these are long ago. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't say this now. But then I was like, do you understand what you have here and all that? You about to lose me and all of these things. But it wasn't until later that we realized that she's like, yo, babe, you're trying to. There's no way that you now feel this way after a week of us not seeing each other. And I'm like, well, you don't you don't get it. You're not a man. You know what I'm saying? However, she said something crucial. She was like, I feel like there's a big hole. And you're trying to get me to fill a hole that I can't fill. You're trying to get me to fill something that I'm not capable of filling. And that was huge, y'all. Because I was like, you're right. This is a hole for God. This is, a goal. this is a hole for me. I have to fill this hole. And so the epiphany came was stop searching for validation from others and start validating yourself. And that's when I found my own voice. That's when I was finally able to look in the mirror. And because all of these times I'm, I'm just like Penelope, I'm searching for this person that will love me for the people that I that was supposed to love me that I felt like didn't. But they show love. My, my father showed love in the way he could. And that was providing. That's that was his way of showing love. Like that was his programming. My mother showed love in a way that she could. And that was by, by allowing my father to raise me. She knew that she was incapable. So her way of showing love was here. Like, this is the best decision for you. So I realized that 
they showed love the way they were programmed to show love. And I was still missing something. I, the way I knew love was I needed that. And that couldn't come externally. That had to come from me. That had to come from God. And so when I started engaging in that was when my true healing started. So I, I know that like um, sometimes we search for, like as men, sometimes we search for um, validation even from other men. Because I got the girls, then this man's going to think um, I'm the guy. I'm him. Or because I get to knock somebody out, then this guy is going to think that I am him. Or because I have the latest fashion or whatever, then this girl is going to think that I am him. All of these decisions are made based off of external validation. And when you look around, it's like, what decision am I making based off of my own security, based off of who I desire to be? You And I looked up and it was like, none. Everything is based off of how they will perceive me or how this person will see me or perceive me. And I was done with that. Because at the same time, just like my wife can never fill me up, I can never fill people up enough to where they will finally love me. I've, I've in the past, I've put my account in a negative helping other people out because I just wanted them to say that they love me. I just wanted them to know that I would do anything to earn your love or to be validated. I've, <coughs> I've put myself in compromising situations to help you out. I've, I've neglected to tell you something that I did not like to make in order to keep you from being uncomfortable in all of those things just because I wanted the love and to feel the validation. So when I look at this, I, I would question, I would say to um, men, I was like, yo, what are you truly doing to define? Now, here's something I put in, in place. I defined what type of man that I want to be. So when I was 364, 370 pounds, I, um, I said, I want to be a 250 pound man. And I defined what that 250 pound man looked like. I'm 370 pounds now with 368 and, you know, I still got another 118 pounds to go, but I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm just doing what I said this 250 pound man does. And that's how I'm winning. Oh, this 250 pound man doesn't overeat. Instead, he eats enough to his body is satisfied and then he goes away from the table. He walks every day. He works out every day. He takes his I take my wife on a day night every single Friday. We miss some Fridays, but every Friday we're going to go out on a date night. Family day is on Saturday. We take our kids out. We have fun. If you watch my Instagram, you can see these are all factual. I'm not, I'm not giving advice based off of what sounds good. I'm giving my actual behavior, how I change the behavior from the epiphanies that I got from the stories that I'm telling. Right? So I define what this man looks like. I cook breakfast for my kids every single morning. I don't want my kids eating cereal, protein, fruits. And I would do a little carb and stuff because they want that. All right. But we're not doing all the sugar and all of that stuff. Cook breakfast for them. Meal prep. I meal prep for my week. These are all things that I, I, I don't mind cleaning the house. I will clean. I'm a business owner. You know, I, I, I go to church. I support people. I love on people. Like I defined what this 200 fan, 250 pound man was and is. And that's how I started living my life. And that's how I validate me. I do affirmations. I tell myself um, my, my brain is strong. My eyes are strong. My lungs are strong. My heart is strong. My legs are strong. And I'm going to live a long, healthy, active and mobile life. I am brave. I'm, I am I am worthy of healthy love. I am worthy of all the success that I'm going to get in this world, whether it's, it's physical success, mental success, spiritual success, uh, financial success. I am worthy of it. Money comes and flows to me easily. Like I, I talk to me. I that's what I mean. I validate me. So now when you see me walk in the room, 
bruh, know that when I walk in a room, and this is not even ego, know that I think I'm the, I'm the best. And I'm not comparing. I'm like, I'm the best version of myself when I walk in the room. So that my head is not down. I'm not cowering. Um, my chest is out at whatever size. All of those things. Not because, and it wasn't because I lost the weight. It's because that I am consistently being who I desire to be every single day. Who I define as the person I want to be, I am being that person every day. The jokes that I tell, the conversations that I have on here, I'll have them in church. I'll have them in front of anybody. You ask people around me, they'll tell you like I'm the same in every outlook. There's no changing. I don't shift who I am. I don't code switch or anything. Who I am is who I am. There's freedom in that. That's how I validate me. That's how I win. So that was the epiphany. It's like, y'all, I'm not going for this validation anymore. I'm not going for you. I'm not trying to meet your standard anymore. Like I got to stay. I'm trying to meet my own standard. Let me let me meet my standard. All right. And then the last one was uh, communication. I learned that the epiphany I got was I need to communicate when I'm feeling a certain type of way. And I also needed somebody to communicate with. It can't always be my wife because that then puts a burden burden on her. So back then, I learned that this happened because I was feeling neglected or I was feeling some type of way. And and I didn't tell anybody. I just held it in. And so now if I hold it in through my speech, then it's going to come out through my actions. You have to realize that you can hold your whatever you're feeling in with your your mouth. You can hold it in, but it's got it's got to come out. It's going to come out through your actions. It's going to come out physically. It's going to come out in your work. It's going to come out in how you treat people. It's going to come out in your irritation. It's going to come out. So the thing I had to do was learn that, yo, when I'm feeling some type of way, I communicate. Now, I literally set clear boundaries on communication. That's why my wife and I got to the point where I was like, hey, babe, here's what I need before I go out of town. I want to set myself up for success. Let me communicate. Hey, babe, we haven't, I know we've been, we've been rocking. We've been just moving. All right. We've just been moving around. We haven't had sex in like two weeks. Um, this is, this is what's happening to me. Now I've been praying and all that stuff, but I want to, I want to let you in on what's happening. Or, um, my wife first introduced me to therapy. That'll be a next, that'll be talking about the next episode. Okay, because therapy was a whole uh, another situation that really helped me um, to gain some more epiphanies and to really talk to somebody that did not have any obligation or did not have any skin in the game. It was crucial. So now I have somebody that I can relieve this conversation on where I don't have to get it out through actions. Working out was another thing that truly helped me lifting weights, walking, all of these things. So I am now communicating like walking is my form of communication as well. I will say to my wife, like if we got an important decision, I say, "Okay, well, I'm gonna go on this walk real quick. And that's communicating like, let me process. Let me think. Or we get into it. I'm like, you know what? um, Let's just talk about later. Let's I'm going to hit this walk real quick. I'm going to hit this workout. I'm communicating. I need some time. I'm communicating. Let me let me blow off, get some steam out so I don't. So I don't go outside of the person I decided I wanted to be. This is how I keep the commitment to myself. I don't want to go outside of who I'm choosing to be. So what are the parameters that are put in place so you don't do that? These are my parameters. I validate myself. I communicate what I'm feeling and what I'm going to do. And then I set boundaries. I set clear boundaries. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? All right, we working. Hey, we working. We working. We two down. We two episodes in. I hope y'all got some great stuff from this from this episode. Uh, we still don't have a closing yet, but yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it. It'll come. It'll come. But let me know in the comments what was one nugget or one thing that you got from this podcast that that you want to continue. 
on with or that you're going to start implementing? What is that? What is that one thing that really stuck out to you? All right. Or what can you relate to? Um, type it in the comments. I look forward to to seeing those comments. Shout out to you all. And I look forward to, for uh, some feedback on the podcast and to to meeting you all. We got some big things planned, but I, I at least want to be consistent with this thing first. All right, y'all. So thank you so much. And listen, fellas, um, if you got something from the podcast that you can relate, you know, subscribe to it, download it on Apple Podcasts or any of the streaming devices. Send it to um, send it to another guy. Ladies, I appreciate your support if you're watching. And then also go ahead and invite your uncle, your nephew, your brother, you know, invite him, husband, boyfriend, fiance. Okay, go ahead and invite him to the podcast. Let's go. Uh, This has been another episode of Healing with Words. This is your man, Words Taylor. Let's get it.